The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 4th of September. In your Squiz today, National Cabinet tackles the issue of state borders, a guilty plea for the driver of the vehicle that killed four Sydney children, Afghan peace talks and getting your facts right. This is your Squiz today. National Cabinet meets today, Claire, and we know already that the issue of state borders is on the agenda. Yesterday, Scott Morrison said he wants Australia to be whole again and that Australia was not meant to be closed. Australia was meant to be open. The problem is he has no control over it. He doesn't. It's the state premiers and the territory's chief ministers who dictate what those border rules are. And of course, we know that since the start of this pandemic, there's been issues, of course, with states closing those borders, particularly looking at Queensland, Western Australia, Tasmania and the Northern Territory. There's been many cases of difficulties around that. Those leaders, though, for their part, say that they needed to put those restrictions in place to keep their people safe. Of particular focus, probably because of the large population on that border, is the New South Wales-Queensland one. Yesterday, Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, called on the leaders of those states to reconsider their border closures. She said that if you have confidence, and this is a quote, that contact tracing is something that you can deal with in your state, then you shouldn't need to keep your borders closed given the low level of transmission in New South Wales at the moment. Yes, Queensland certainly has been an issue, particularly with those two premiers not necessarily being on the same page about how to tackle this. And what Anastasia Palaszczuk has said uh, is that that border will stay closed. Yesterday, the state put the test that New South Wales has to go 28 days without any cases of community transmission before they would look at opening that border. Berejiklian says that that's near on impossible. So it seems that this is set to continue, certainly ahead of that state election in Queensland on the 31st of October. On the election, coalition MPs have accused Palaszczuk of using the pandemic to win votes. They say her position is undermined by the state's willingness to allow AFL officials, players and their families into the state this week. For her part, Palaszczuk says she won't apologise for protecting Queenslanders from the coronavirus. The elephant in the room, Claire, in all of this is Victoria. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian was keen to point out yesterday that she didn't include Victoria in her comments on border closures. Victoria is different, she said. There were 113 new cases out of the state yesterday and lots of talk about the arrest of a 28-year-old Ballarat woman for putting a post on Facebook which publicised an anti-lockdown protest. Zoe Buller yesterday said that she didn't realise she was doing anything wrong, but she said that she had personally lost her job and she was sick of sitting around seeing the economy go down the drain and she wanted to do something. But she says her activist days are now behind her. For Victoria Police's part, they defended the arrest, but said they stuffed up the optics on this occasion. To news yesterday that a live export ship carrying 6,000-odd head of cattle capsized during a typhoon and is still missing in waters off Japan. Two Australians, Claire, are among the crew on board. Yeah, they're both missing. One has been named. He's Lucas Order. He's a 25-year-old vet and a dad from Queensland. That search is continuing. One of the crew has been found alive and what he has said is that one of the engines gave way and then it capsized in that typhoon after being hit by a very big wave. 
It was the 1st of February this year when siblings Anthony, Angelina and Sienna and their cousin Veronique went for a walk to get ice cream in Oatlands in Sydney's west. Now the driver of the vehicle that crashed into and killed them while driving under the influence of drugs and alcohol will plead guilty to four counts of manslaughter. There's plenty of other charges that Samuel Davidson is facing, but he is pleading guilty to the deaths of those children. Also on crime, and yesterday it was decided that 73-year-old former firefighter Leonard Warwick, known as the family court bomber, will spend the rest of his life in jail. Ahead of imminent peace talks, reports are Afghanistan will transfer seven Taliban prisoners to Qatar. Among them, Claire, is former Afghan Sergeant Hekmatullah. He was sentenced to death after he killed three Australian soldiers back in 2012. Our government has been lobbying to keep Hekmatullah in prison and the Afghan government says that he won't be released without Australia's consent. That seems a big promise, particularly with the focus on those peace talks. The prisoner release deal was done between the Taliban and the US government and the Afghan government hasn't been too pleased about having to release 5,000 of those Taliban prisoners. But there are about seven who are contentious and they include a group who are accused or convicted of killing international soldiers and Hekmatullah is one of those. Donald Trump did so earlier this week and now Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has visited Kenosha in Wisconsin. That's the city that's the site of the police shooting of Jacob Blake nearly a fortnight ago. Joe Biden says that his supporters overwhelmingly wanted him to go to Kenosha, particularly given Donald Trump had been there a couple of days ago. Biden's visited Blake's family. That's something that Trump didn't do. There were talks between Trump and Blake's families. But what happened was that the family wanted to have lawyers present and Trump's campaign said that's something they didn't want to be involved in. Biden's also meeting with the local mayor and with the governor of Wisconsin. They're both Democrats. According to the polls, and we take them with a grain of salt as always, Biden is still ahead in the polls over in the US, ahead of the US election, Claire, but his lead over Trump is narrowing. Yeah, there's been a flurry of polls come out in the last couple of days after those big national conventions. And as you say, Biden is still ahead, but there's a lot of scepticism around the polls given they got it so badly wrong last time. Our hope every day, Claire, is that by listening to the Squeeze Today podcast, you learn something. Today's learning is that boneless chicken wings, they aren't chicken wings. I did not know that. Look, I don't know why anyone would take the trouble of taking the bones out of chicken wings. I know there's some fancy chicken wings you can do where you stuff them, but to actually say that they're chicken wings when all they are is chicken tenders seems very misleading on something that is so important. So it's uh, not surprising to me, but to great delight that someone has actually taken the issue to their local council in the US and advocated for transparency in that atrocity. It is an atrocity. That's a man in Nebraska who's done that. He says, I go into nice family restaurants and see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just (laughs) fine. That's in Friday Lights in the Squiz Today email. Also in Friday Lights is a lamb shank recipe and a link to a television series on SBS On Demand at the moment, The Salisbury Poisonings, Claire. Yeah, particularly relevant again with that confirmation in Germany that it was Novichok that poisoned Alexei Navalny. Of course, Novichok was at the centre of the Salisbury Poisonings, which is a program that you can find on SBS On Demand. You and I both really enjoyed that one. It's a little slow. 
but it's um, <laughs> certainly informative. I really liked it. Maybe I was in the mood for slow. Maybe. For those who don't know, it's the true story of the assassination attempt on double agent and spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter, Yulia, which caused a national emergency in the town of Salisbury in the UK. Finally, Claire, the email subject line today. Can I take a, can I take a guess? Oh, okay. Go for it. I thought with Scott Morrison's comments on making Australia whole again, there's no way it couldn't be Atomic Kittens classic with the lyric, you can make me whole again. Oh, I quite like that one. We're going to go. No, (laughs) I've gone for the classic uh, Brian Ferry, come on, come on, let's stick together. You know, the one with Jerry Hall in the background dressed as a cat, I think. Yeah, same vein. I don't mind Atomic Kinton, though. I hadn't thought about that one. You can make me whole again. It just was, it was made for today. (laughs) That's all from us this week. Enjoy your weekend. If you have time, you might want to tackle the Squiz quiz. That's up on our website now. Ready, set, go. Off you go. We'll chat to you on Monday. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP.